If you got your Bible, your copy of God's Word, go to John chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one near you, uh, under your chair, or under a chair in front of you, or behind you, or in a rack there. Uh, you can turn to John, the Gospel of John. If you don't know where John is, just go to the table of contents, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You can find it there. We're in John chapter 6 today. As you're turning there, um, let me ask a little poll question today. How many in here are cat people? You love cats. How many are cat people? Always the minority are cat people. Or they just, how many are dog people? Dog people, yeah. How many of you would say, I love cats and dogs equally? You lie. You do not <laughs> love one of them more. You don't. I've made no secret about it. I'm not a cat person. I don't like cats. I'm um, not a big cat fan. That's fine if you are. I'm not. Uh, I've told this story before, but it fits this morning that when I was, uh, and I'm not a cat person, but when I was a junior in college, I started dating a really cute girl who was a cat person. Um, she became my wife later. She's sitting here today. Uh, before you think I'm talking about some other really cute girl. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. She is, she had a really fat cat named Crackers. And um, I went to visit her house uh, to get to know her mom and her family one time and went to visit her. So I stayed in the guest room. What I didn't know was when I'm not there, the guest room is Cracker's room. <laughs> and no one had told Cracker's <laughs> that I was coming. So I went to sleep. Everything was great. Go to, go to sleep. And a little later in the night, I wake up and there's something warm and furry sitting on my head. This is not normal. Um, I opened my eyes. I really didn't know what to do because I don't like cats. And I thought if I make a sudden move, he's going to claw my eyes out or something. Uh, I'm not even sure what I did. All I know is I got the cat off my head, out of the room, and shut the door. And in that moment, things like this happen, though, when you're dating someone, right? And you're trying to figure out if you're going to marry this person. You have events and moments like this where you learn something about them that maybe isn't something you're crazy about, about them, right? I mean, you learn a lot of things you love about a person, but then you got to learn some things, and you're like, ah, I didn't know that about you. And like, you step back, and you're like, I don't know. Like, because you're dating now, you haven't committed, this is the time to find out, is this a deal breaker or not? Like, is this going to be a real problem, that you're a cat person, I'm not a cat person, or, or whatever it is? But you learn these things, and you come to the place where you may be asking yourself the question, should I stay or should I go? Like, is this the deal breaker? Do I stay here with the cat person? Uh, you know, wondering if she's going to bring crackers into the marriage. Crackers did not come into the marriage. Um, but, uh, but, or, you know, or do I go? Is this like, this is it? You know, uh, this is too big of a deal and I can't get over this. And probably not cat and dogs. I hope that's not that petty, but they're probably something else. Maybe you learned about someone and before you get to know them and you wondered, is this too big of a deal? Should I stay or should I go? I think it happens not only with people in our lives. I think it happens sometimes with God. I think it happens with Jesus. That at times, if you're learning about Jesus and if you're getting to know Jesus, there may be something as you learn more about Jesus and you learn more about being a Christian and what it is to follow Jesus, that you might learn something as you come along and you say, wow, I didn't know that about Jesus. And it's causing me to take a second and a step back to decide, do I really want to follow this Jesus? Should I stay or should I go? 
And you learn some things. Now, to be fair, when we first start following Jesus, this may not be true because a lot of times when you first learn about Jesus, you just learn maybe all these good things about him and all these great things. And you're like, everything's great. And Jesus is like this plush doll Jesus that you can get on Amazon. My friend, Jesus stuffed doll. Uh, 1995, you can prime them and you can get them sent right to your house and stuffed Jesus on. Sometimes this is what our relationship with Jesus is like when we first meet him, that he's just, you know, he's lovable and cuddable and, you know, you, you get him there. But uh, this Jesus, according to Sojourner's Magazine, did a little report on him. It says, when you squeeze his red heart, uh, he, his sayings include, I love you and have an exciting plan for your life and your life matters so much to me. Uh, neither of which are Bible sayings, but that's what he says. Um, he does have one scripture he quotes, John 15, 12. You know, love others like, you love, like I loved you. Uh, but if the plush Messiah doll doesn't work and isn't, you know, isn't for you, wearing his heart on his sleeve, talking Bible dolls also makes a commandment orating Moses, um, complete with unbreakable commandments. And you can kind of, I don't know, balance out uh, Jesus here and, and with, uh, with that. But here's the thing. When we first get to know and follow Jesus, sometimes this is all we get. We get the plush doll, lovable Jesus. Maybe it wasn't the talking doll. Some of you like are, uh, you know, pointing to your spouse like, do we have plush Jesus in our house? Is, but don't worry, it's okay. But I mean, let's just, that's not the only thing that Jesus is about though, right? You know, sometimes we grew up, maybe you didn't grow up with plush stuffed Jesus, but you grew up with a picture on the wall of kind of like milk toast Jesus who, you know, is just there and he couldn't hurt anyone and he's just loving and he's got his arms out and he would never say anything that would possibly offend you. Like Jesus just loves you and he never says anything hard. He never says anything difficult. He just, he's just there when you need him, you know? And uh, he would never say anything that would offend you. But here's the thing, when you get close to Jesus, when you start learning what it means to follow Jesus, what you find is he said some pretty hard things. And he said sometimes some pretty difficult things. And the truth is, we've been in this series through the book of John since Easter, and we've called it the Believe series because John wrote this book so that people would come to believe in Jesus. He says that, I wrote this so that people would come to know and believe in Jesus. But here's the truth. Here's what I haven't told you. The last 20 weeks as we've kind of preached through this series, there's something as we've preached this Believe series I haven't told you, and here it is. Not everyone believed. In fact, John's very specific telling us that there were some who did not believe. And part of it was in John chapter 6. This was a passage we skipped as we were going through the book. Uh, we're going to finish. This is the second to last message. Next week, we'll finish it up. Actually, Pastor Brian will be here. I'll be in Belmont. Um, but we'll finish it up uh, next week. But this second to last message, we wanted to talk to you about the fact that not everyone always believes. And one of the reasons that some people don't believe is because they come against a hard teaching and a hard saying. Of Jesus. And that's what happens here in John chapter 6. So let me read you a little bit of uh, what happened in the teaching. You tell me if this sounds like a hard teaching or not. Here's the teaching that we come across in John chapter 6. The Jews then dispute, I'm in verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and will raise him up on the last day. 
For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, pause there for a second. Who heard it? Many of his disciples. Now sometimes when we hear the word disciples, we think of the 12 guys that Jesus called and we're following him. But that's not just who he's talking about here. When he uses the word disciples, he's talking about everyone who started to follow Jesus. It's a large crowd at this point. Jesus has been multiplying food. He's been healing people. So large crowds have begun to follow him, and they called those people disciples. They wanted to be his disciples. They wanted to follow him. They wanted to learn more about him. So when many of his disciples heard it, more than the 12, this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So if you're sitting here, and I just read this, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and I said it like three times, and you're like, wow, what is that? That's hard. I don't even know what, you know, that's hard to, to know. That's hard to listen to. You're not alone. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus said the words for the first time, many people said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? I think Jesus said the same thing to you. Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help to all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it is who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. So here's the thing. Jesus gives these words. And they're hard words. He says, if anyone's going to follow me, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's not talking about literal eating flesh and drinking blood. That never happens. That's not it. Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to give my life. It's going to be my flesh and blood. I'm going to give my body for you. And if you are going to have any part of God, if you're going to have any part of this eternal life thing, I'm going to give my life for you, but you're going to have to give your life for me. You're going to have to live for me. You're going to to put your trust in me. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have, this is going to have to be your whole life. You're going to have to look at me and know that I'm God, is what he essentially says. Because he says, this bread that I'm talking about, my body that I'm going to give for you, it's greater than that bread that your forefathers ate in the desert. What he's basically saying is that Moses prophet that you hold up as the highest prophet ever, I'm greater than him. And to say that to the Jewish people that were in that first century, they were like, that's a hard teaching. That's a hard teaching. And we're not sure we can follow that. As you come to get to know Jesus, whether you followed him for a little while or a long while or you're just seeking, I guarantee you at some point you're going to come up against a statement or a saying of his that's going to be hard. Maybe even now, maybe you're seeking, you're wondering, you're checking this Jesus thing out and you're looking at, is this something I can give my life to? Is this something I can follow? I promise you at some point you will come against a hard teaching and the question is, what will you do 
when you come against that hard teaching? What will you do when you come against that hard teaching? Because what some of these disciples did is what some people do today. Look at verse 66. After this, this is what, this is what verse 66 says. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Here's the thing that we haven't told you. Here's the thing that we haven't talked about in John. Some people didn't believe. Some people came. They ate the bread that Jesus multiplied. They saw the healings. They listened to him. But then when he got to the crux of the issue, when he said, here's what it's about. I'm God. You're going to have to follow me with your whole life. They said, no. They asked themselves the question, should we stay or should we go? And they walked away. And the crowd left. And it happened then, and it happens now. Still happens today. People learn what Jesus said. They decide it's too hard. There was a survey uh, fairly recently done by the Pew Research Council. And here's what it came out. Here's what the results came about on this topic. They concluded that younger generations, specifically millennials, you may be surprised at this, they have a more positive view than their elders of a number of institutions that pay a big part in American society. So when it comes to the large institutions of government and schools and universities and all these things, millennials actually have a higher view of them than their elders. Some of the older people are more skeptical. Earlier generations don't trust them, more skeptical. The younger people are pretty approving and accepting of them, except for two. There's two the millennials are more skeptical of than their elders. They are the media and the church. Here's what they found. In 2010, not too long ago, right? 2010, eight years ago, they, what they found in their research, nearly three out of four, 73%, millennials said that churches have a positive impact on the country. So 73% of millennials in 2010 said that churches have a positive impact on the country. And you say, Pastor Rick, aren't you just disproving what you just said? That sounds like a pretty good percentage. It does. But they did the survey again five years later. And in 2015, only 55% of millennials said that churches have a positive impact on the, on the country. Dropped 18% in five years. I think if they do it in another five years, it's going to keep dropping that there's less and less respect and understanding for the church, that people still walk away. Five years before, they had a positive experience. Five years later, it's negative. Walk away. You come to church, sometimes we'll have somebody share their story of how they come to Christ, came to Christ, we, conversion story. We'll have them talk about the difference that Jesus made in their life and share what Jesus has done. And we call those testimonies or conversion stories. There's actually something out there, you may or may not be aware of it, deconversion stories. That there are people out there circulating deconversion stories. That I grew up in the church, I used to follow Jesus, but I don't anymore, and here's why. There's whole forums and posts and blogs and all about this. Sharing deconversion. And you're going to encounter them. Maybe that would surprise you, but it shouldn't. Because there were deconversion stories in the time of Jesus too. There were people that started following. They were disciples. But they encountered a teaching of Jesus. And they walked away. 
What do you do when you encounter, you will encounter a hard teaching of Jesus that you disagree with, that it's hard to follow and listen to? What do you do? Three things quickly in this message. Three things you do. First thing you do is this. Seek to understand. Don't walk away from something for, don't walk away from Jesus for something you think you understand. I know people who say, because Jesus said this, I'm not going to follow him. And I'm like, Jesus never said that. Someone that they said followed Jesus told you Jesus said that, but he didn't say that. So first of all, make sure you understand and you're walking away for something legitimately or making a decision for something legitimately that Jesus said. Because maybe sometimes you look and you say, man, that person's a follower of Jesus and if they're following Jesus, well, I don't want any part. Well, maybe that person isn't following Jesus very well. Find out and seek first yourself to understand, is this really something Jesus said? Don't walk away and make a decision based on something that may not even be something that Jesus said. You've got, if you don't have a Bible of your own, that one that you just pulled out of the chair, take it home. It's yours. You can have it. It's a gift. Start reading the red words in it. Start reading what Jesus said. You find out for yourself what he said. Don't make a decision based on something you think Jesus said or something someone else Jesus said. Seek to understand is the first thing you need to do. The second thing is this. Don't change it. Once you understand it, don't change it. Because this could be the temptation. Temptation could be, well, he didn't, he said that, but he didn't mean that. And we can try and change it. It's a temptation. It's a temptation for individuals. It's a temptation for churches. Here's the interesting thing about John chapter 6, verse 66. People heard it. They said it's hard. They walked away. And Jesus let them. What we don't see next is Jesus chased after the crowd and said, wait, 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 wait. I didn't really mean that. Come on, guys, let's be serious. He didn't do that. Jesus let the crowd walk away. Based on when they understood what he was saying. Because when it says this is a hard saying, it doesn't mean they're saying like, oh, I can't understand it hard. The word hard, the Greek word there, means harsh or offensive. In other words, we understand what you're saying. We don't like what you're saying. And there can be a temptation to change that sometimes. Sometimes churches are tempted to do that. You know, we will do anything possible to make it easy for you to hear the clear message of Jesus here at Mount Hope. It's like you come to church and, and, and I, you come in and you pull into the parking lot and there's a smiling face in the parking lot greeting you and helping you find a spot. And if there wasn't a smiling face out there in the parking lot greeting you and helping you find a spot, then maybe you should be that person and sign up for our parking lot ministry and you can, uh, you can help there. And you come in and there's a smiling face and they greet you and they help you find a nice spot and you walk in and, uh, and you get a nice greeting at the door and they say, hey, you know, great to hear. Here's a connect card or can I help you find something? And hopefully you go through the check-in station and it's clean and it's easy and easy to use and you put your kids in a nice safe and comfortable space and trust those that are working with them. You grab a warm cup of coffee in the cafe. You come and sit down in a comfortable chair in a climate-controlled room with, with a quality music, optimized sound, lights appropriate to the occasion, and you sit down and you listen and everything has been prepared, and then the pastor opens up the Bible and preaches the word. 
And it's in that moment, just like in John chapter 6, that really is the moment of decision. What Jesus is saying is the miracles, the feedings, all that stuff that brought people to him, they ultimately need to make a decision, though, on who he is. And it's the same today. We don't want any obstacle to be in the way for someone to come and hear about Jesus. So we can change the parking lot and change the paint color and get better coffee and get a better check-in system and do, you know, get better chairs and, and, and whatever. We can do all. We can change everything. Except this. This we can't change. This we can't change. This stays the same. And if someone walks away because they heard and understood, but it was too hard, Jesus let the crowd walk away. He didn't chase them. But if someone walks away because someone wasn't friendly to them, or there wasn't a clean, safe space for their kids, or it wasn't uh, someone was, you know, they, they felt like they weren't, you know, it wasn't a welcoming place. Well, that's on us. And we ought to change that. But we can't change this. And it's true for the church and it's true for you. When you're sitting in Starbucks across the table from your friend and they're asking about church or they're asking about this Christianity thing that you do and you follow. And they say, you know, I heard that Jesus said this. And you know in your heart, yep, Jesus said that. And that's hard. What do you do in that moment? You say, well, let's uh, talk about something. It's not that important. Well, I don't know if he really said it that way. Or Say, yep, Jesus said that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why it's hard. Let's talk about maybe why he said it. Let's talk about why it's important. Let's talk about maybe why that's important to God. Because I can't change it. But we can seek to understand it together. But I can't change it. And there's temptation sometimes, I think, to do that. Follow Jesus long enough, you're going to encounter something that's hard. If you never have encountered, if you've been following Jesus, you've been coming to this church and you, you're like, no, I agree with it all. I've never had anything. God's never asked me to do anything that was difficult. It's never been hard. Then likely you have created God in your own image. Because you and I are flesh. You and I are of limited insight and wisdom and marginal holiness. So if God never asks you to do anything difficult counter to your own desires, maybe it's that you and I haven't listened well enough and we've tamed the lion and created God in our image. If you follow Jesus long enough, you will eventually encounter a place of hard teaching, a point you understand what he's saying, but you have a hard time understanding how it makes sense. Hard because it will cost you in this world with others, maybe in reputation. Hard because it means that you can't do what you want to do. Hard because it goes against something that's been important to you or you consider a part of who you are. Hard because it requires dying to yourself in order to live for God. Hard. Pastor Rod Loy, a pastor in Texas, had this tweet this week that I thought kind of captures this idea. He said, we have turned the message of Jesus upside down. Instead of serving, you expect to be served. Instead of sacrifice, you expect God to understand your schedule. Instead of giving, you expect to receive. You want a user-friendly God who gives you what you want when you want it. And if you follow Jesus long enough and you're honest with yourself, you'll realize that's not who God is. And you'll confront a place where he's God and you're not 
And you'll have to decide what to do with that. Try to think, uh, you know, some of the places that sometimes become stumbling blocks. And I think it's different at different stages of life. Like when you're a kid, there are things that are harder maybe for you that are teachings in scripture. And when you're an adult, I think maybe some of the teachings of Jesus that are harder for you to walk out may not have been as hard when you were younger. Like as a young person, maybe the fact that following Jesus and some of the stuff that he asks you to do and just living for him doesn't always make you popular. Maybe hard for a young person. Something that's really important to people. God has, or the fact that God has something to say not only about your relationship with him, but about your relationship with every other person you have in your life. The fact that God has something to say about who you date and how you date. The fact that God has something to say about your sex life. The fact that God has something to say about who you love and who that is and what that means, sometimes as a young person, is hard. The fact that God has something to say about your relationship to your parents, honoring them and loving them. But when you get older, maybe there's other things that are harder that you didn't really struggle with as a young person, but as an adult, the fact that Jesus says, forgive as you have been forgiven, and you will be forgiven. As a young person, that wasn't that hard, but as an older person, and you have people that betray you, people that wrong you, people that harm you, and Jesus says, well, you got to forgive just the way God forgave you, and maybe that's harder to work out. But the fact when Jesus says, love your enemies... And that the moment you make someone an enemy in your life is the exact moment you have turned them into someone Jesus has commanded you to love. The moment you make them an enemy, you have just turned them into someone that Jesus commanded you to love. Or pray for those who persecute you. I don't know if you feel persecuted, but I know... People that feel persecuted, maybe persecuted by the government, maybe persecuted at their job, persecuted for who they are, persecuted for following Jesus. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. And not pray like God get them. (laughs) Pray for them, not at them. And that becomes hard. Pray for those who persecute you. That anyone can be forgiven. Maybe as an adult, you hear some news stories, you're like, The fact that God will forgive and extend grace to anyone who will come to him in faith in his son becomes harder sometimes. That none are worthy, none. That you're not more worthy than the person beside you or whatever other person you might be tempted to think that you're better than. God says, nope, none are worthy. All are sinners. That your treasure in heaven is more important than your treasure on earth. That God comes before everyone in your life, every relationship, God comes first. Maybe those truths weren't hard as a young person, but they become harder when you get older. Finally, maybe you came to Christ later in life and you started to follow Jesus and you learned some things that became harder then. That Jesus has something to say about just about every part of your life. That holiness supersedes whatever personal idea of happiness you have. That your individual comfort is not God's greatest priority. And it shouldn't be yours either. Sometimes we hear those things and they're like, well, that's, those are hard. And what do you do when you come against the hard teaching of Jesus? First, you make sure you understand it. Second, you don't change it. But there's a third thing you do, and that's the last thing in the closing of this passage. It's found in what Peter does. Verse 66 says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Here's how Jesus responds. 
He doesn't chase the crowd. He turns to the 12 and he asks this question. Do you want to go away as well? Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, for he was one of the twelve to betray him. Here's the thing, that's the third thing. So first, you seek to understand. Second, you don't change it. Third, you remember who Jesus is. Remember who Jesus is. Because what Peter says is right. Because I think Jesus, if you come against a hard saying and a hard teaching, Jesus asks you the very same question. There's people that have come to this saying, there's people who have come to Jesus, and when they came to this point, they walked away. And Jesus turns to you. And he turns to you. And he says the same question. Do you want to leave? Do you want to walk away also? Doesn't chase the crowd. He asks the question, do you want to walk away also? And the answer that Peter gives, I think, is the answer we all need to hear. Where are we going to go? Jesus, you alone have the words of eternal life. And it's the question I think you and I need to ask too. When we're tempted to walk because of a hard saying, we're tempted to, to, to turn another direction or you're tempted to walk away, the question is, where are you going to go? Who else has what Jesus is offering you? Who else is willing and has laid down his life? Who else but the God of the universe who came down to bridge a gap that you and I could not bridge and loved you so much that he would leave heaven to come down to lay down his life for you? Who else did miracles? Who else fed thousands? Who else says that if you believe in me, you can have eternal life? Peter said, where are we going to go? I mean, these days, no, who on TV is going to do that for you? Which one of your friends, your family members that you're going to leave Jesus for is going to do that for you? Because who else has the words of eternal life? You and you alone. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Peter understood exactly what he was saying. But he also understood that there's no one else that had those words. There's no one else that was making the offer that Jesus made. There's no one else that was giving him that opportunity. So should you stay or should you go? It's the question all of us encounter when we face the teachings of Jesus that challenge us, upset us, or offend us. The fact that they are offensive does not make them untrue. The question is not, in your following of Jesus, will you learn things he said that are hard, that offend you, and go against what you feel or want? I promise you, you will. I promise you that if you follow long enough and you're honest with yourself and you follow hard enough, at some point you're going to come against something that God asked you to do that you say, that's hard. That's going to cost me. It's not, the question is not, will it happen? The question is, when it happens, will you also walk away? When it happens, do you also want to walk away? Or will you stay with Jesus trusting him? 
sometimes we can be tempted to change the message. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor in the mid-20th century, who was a German pastor, who came over to the States for education, could have stayed here, but he felt like God was telling him he had to go back to Germany to speak out against Hitler and Nazism and everything that was going on there, and he actually did go back in the early 1940s, ended up being executed for speaking out in 1945, just a few months before Hitler's overthrow and death, but he went because he knew that God had called him to go. But in 1937, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. And in that book, he wrote these words. He said, cheap grace is the practicing of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross. Grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. I have a hard time believing that he actually wrote those words in 1937 because he could have wrote them today because there's a lot of opportunities for cheap grace. Just come take what Jesus offers. He won't ask anything of you. But he will. He will. He comes to you graciously and lovingly and offering you forgiveness and reconciliation to a holy father but he comes asking that you follow him. And in following him, it's gonna cost. There'll be hard times that'll come. I'll close with this quote from Pastor Tim Keller, tweet he had recently. He said, contemporary people tend to examine the Bible looking for things they can't accept. But Christians should reverse that, allowing the Bible to examine us looking for things God can't accept. Then the sweet grace offered, the beauty of his love, will mean something to you. And this is the life of a Christ follower. That we don't come to this book and say, God, let me tell you where you're wrong. I mean, there's some good stuff in here, but really, no. The Christian comes to this book and says, God, search me. Where in me am I not lining up with your word? I don't come to judge your word. I come to allow it to... Judge me and search me and work in me. God comes in grace and in truth. We've talked about that all through John. We've talked for 20 weeks of all Jesus did so that you might believe. But I want you to know that not everybody believed. There are some that walked away. I want you to know that Jesus said some hard things. And I promise you, you'll encounter some of them if you continue to follow him or seek about whether following him is something that you want to do and desire to do. But I also promise you this, that if you will follow him, that you will find in that following a joy and a strength that you never would know otherwise. When you're tempted to walk, remember what you know about Jesus, not what you cannot understand. None of the teachings or life situations that are difficult to understand or accept change the reality that Jesus is the Holy One who has the words of eternal life. I'm ask our music ministry to return as we close our service and respond to God's word. Um, Mark Twain, I think it was, somebody told me after the first service, I forgot about this quote by Mark Twain. Mark Twain said, I am not bothered by the things in the Bible that I do not understand. I am bothered by the things that I do understand. And it's true about most of us, right? 
there are things that you will come to understand and that you know, but they'll be hard things to hear. And what will you do in that moment? Here's what I'll tell you, that I am so glad that I did not miss out on 21 years and counting of marriage uh, to this beautiful woman because of a fat cat that sat on my head 21 years ago. And here's what I know about you. Here's what I know. That if you will come to Jesus, if you'll put your faith and your trust in him, don't miss out on what he has for you because of what you don't understand or is hard or is difficult. Don't miss out because of some fat cat, whatever that is. Don't miss out on the joy that he has and the salvation that he has and the eternal life that he offers you and the forgiveness that he offers you. Yeah, there's hard stuff. Absolutely. Just like in marriage. There's hard stuff. There's hard days you got to get through. But I wouldn't trade that joy. And just like when you follow Jesus, there's hard things. Absolutely. He's God. You're not. I'm not. Shouldn't it be hard when he is so outside of who I am and so different than me and I am so, you know, who I am? Of course it's going to be different. Of course he's going to say things that I'm not going to agree with. I'm not God. But I can trust him but I can trust that he is in control and that what he says is good and it's worth following. Where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Would you stand with me? Father, we come before you and we confess that even though many of us call ourselves Christians and even though many of us seek to follow you and we desire and we say that we follow you, we also confess that we're not very good at following you sometimes. We confess that there's things that you have said that have been hard, though either we did not seek to understand or maybe we were tempted to change and, or ignore and not put into place. Lord, forgive us. Help us to be more faithful followers of you. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning that is considering following you and a hard teaching of Jesus has kept them away, I pray this morning that you would speak to them that you would call them, that you would let them know who you are, that you love them, that you offer them eternal life, that you, Lord, are worth it. That, Lord, if they will put their faith and their trust in you, that you will invite them into a relationship with a holy God and a walk with you, that not only will you save them and redeem and cleanse them, that you will give them the power to live out the life that you've called them to live. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us today. Lead us. Search our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.